0: Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Like Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, You can also find me on Strong Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine of ThePaleoMom.com.
1: I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health. Which really means I just love talking about science.
0: News and Peace, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. Sarah. Hello, Stacy. Happy holidays, first of all. Merry Christmas.
1: This podcast goes live Christmas Day. Have you have you realized that?
0: Yeah, and that's like, why we're gonna have a super special show because it's also episode one seventy five, which is like a round number and everything. Yeah, that's like three quarters of the way to two hundred if you started at one hundred. <laughs> yes yes Look yes at it us is with that college level math wow um,
1: that was that was really that was a, a thing that just happened right there
0: <laughs> i'm an english major
1: but it's uh approximately three and a half years of
0: podcasting My goodness um Have you known each other that long Well, I think technically we started podcasting before we even really knew each other, but we'll (laughs) get into that a little bit.
1: (laughs) We met, as a matter of fact. Um, Yeah, so Stacey, it was your, I think, outstanding idea since it is the holidays and it is a like very pretty looking number of a podcast um, that we could do an Ask Us Anything show. And so if you missed it, we put on out. Uh, posts on both Instagram and Facebook, each of us, and sort of said, here's your chance, ask us anything. And we've actually, we had like such a flood of questions that there was like zero way we could even get to maybe 10% of them. People
0: know we're long-winded, come on.
1: Um, so what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to get through as many as we can of the kind of like more personal get to know Sarah and Stacey better type um, questions. And then we are saving All of those questions to um, add to our collection for our future sort of more thematic shows. So if we don't get to your question tonight, it's because we're saving it because it was so awesome, I think, is what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, we're also going to try to respond to all of the questions in some tangential way or another to the ones that were asked on our social media. If we don't answer your question or see a response in social media. Perhaps you need a lesson on how to use the internet, or we've missed your question, so <laughs>
1: or Stacy and Sarah need and <laughs> it's, it's either it's either somebody, somebody somebody needs to understand the interwebs slightly potentially better, yeah, I don't think
0: we could put that all in the listener. Right. So what I'm saying is, if we missed you, somehow something's gone awry and re-communicate with us. However, if it's Christmas Day, we're probably not going (laughs) to answer. Chances
1: are good. Can I tell you, I am at that. So Healing Kitchen released last week. And uh, we had a release party right after I'd done a bunch of traveling. And I've spent many, many late hours signing book plates, which was an awesome idea until I was signing book plates at 11 PM. And, um, and I'm at that point of like, I just, I just need a couple of days just off, like just, just to do nothing. I mean, like maybe go see star Wars. Cause I was my, um, we were supposed to go yesterday, and I was quite sick yesterday. So um, my husband and my oldest daughter went and my youngest daughter, who thought she was going to be too scared with it anyways, and I had a nap together, which was lovely. Um, so, yeah, I meant that, like, I need some time. And you know
0: what's amazing? Christmas is time. Okay, so I have a question. If if it's Ask Us Anything. Yeah. Which order? Did you watch the movies with the girls before you saw Seven? So I haven't
1: seen Seven yet. Right, but your your oldest
0: daughter did. So you had to
1: show her one through six, right? So I I let my husband win. (laughs) You let him win. (laughs) He was really, really passionate that the order should be episodes four, five, six. So the original trilogy, a.k.a. the Holy Trilogy. And then episodes one, two, three. And he had very very long-winded explanations as to why that was the natural order and i really thought that it made more sense to start with the beginning of the story but he really 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 did not agree and i decided that that was a good one to let him win because sometimes he needs to win some stuff so the answer to your question without all of the like horrible passive aggressive towards my husband stuff who doesn't even listen to the podcast. Poor guy. Right. Maybe he should start listening. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> um, so- Just another stab.
1: <laughs> so, so yes, episode four, then five, uh, yeah, four, five, six, one, two, three, and then seven. And it is driving my eight year old crazy to not be allowed to talk about it. Um, my husband had a very stern talking with her about spoilers which she understands from a theoretical perspective, but not from a practical mommy will scream at you if you say anything perspective. Uh, and it's driving her crazy. And so every time they think I'm like, I'll be like cooking in the kitchen and she'll start asking questions in the family room, which is we live in a split level. So it shares half of a wall <laughs> with the kitchen. I can see them and hear them perfectly. And I'm like, guys, I'm right here. I mean, I know I'm technically in the next room over, but I can hear you. You need to stop, stop talking, and it's, it's driving her crazy because she she just she wants she wants to just she has uh, every, every time we see any kind of movie, it's always like the same litany of questions: of What was your favorite part? What was your second favorite part? What was your third favorite part? What was the part you liked the least? What was your second least favorite part? What was your third least favorite part? What was the scariest part? What was the saddest part? And I mean, I guess it's great that she's thinking things critically, but it's like, I I don't I don't know the answer to half those questions. I, I just, I like the part in the Lego movie when the guy's doing the funny dance on the rail as they're lifting it up by the crane. That's, I mean, it just, it makes me laugh. Can that be my favorite part? Nope, it's not good enough.
0: Oh, do, I don't, do your kids my get favorite, so analytical with my favorite part of um, the Lego movie was a line that Wesley says over and over again since he saw it which is like um, when Batman you uh, are so
1: disappointing mm, no yeah,
0: no it's <laughs> I only work in black and very 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 dark gray like anytime there's an opportunity to mention the word black Wesley like whips out that quote and um it was adorable when he was like 4 and whipping that out
1: but lego batman is highly quotable is i think for sure huge tangent we've slid into from what's the right order to show your kids star wars in so we have a lot of questions to get to let's 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 get to questions it is the ask us anything personal question show There was a comma in there, but I didn't say the comma because I felt like it was implied.
0: No? Yes? I did say it was an English major. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just a comma. We're good.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) So our first question, how did the two of you end up doing a podcast together?
0: I think we told this Uh, story once a long time ago. I know, but people would have to dig through 174 episodes in order to find the. Answer. I know, but I'm just saying. Like we talked about it once in three and a half years. <laughs>
1: so um, I think I mean where we really met was like Eat Like a Dinosaur had just c- came out, and it was the first book that I got sent like for free to review of like all the paleo books. And it was super exciting for me, and I made a ton of recipes out of it for my review because I was really, really enthusiastic and energetic back then. And um, I think you liked my review, which – but, like, how did you know? Because I think you contacted well, me in for partic- my address. How did you even know who I was?
0: Um, Because you were another paleo parent blogger, and you also had a PhD, which you were the first person to have that kind of credential in the paleosphere and Matt and I really liked that you were really science oriented and we were like, hey, we should like, you know, do stuff with this person. And so I had contacted you about doing guest blogs and you reviewed Eat Like a Dinosaur and I really connected so with the your guest story. blogs first or was the review of Eat Like a Dinosaur first? I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. It all so it was all
1: really. This was it was all around the same time. time. Yeah, first like six or seven months of blogging too. Like it was, I mean, I was very green, and I was so excited to be contacted by this huge paleo blog and be able to do guest posts. And it was like, I was, I was like doing dances around my kitchen that, you know, I get to do a guest post series for paleo parents. It's amazing. Um, I'm very excited because, you know, at the time, I hadn't really realized just how geeky sciencey my blog would end up becoming. Like it's just really gotten very, very focused on science over the years. And um, at the time, I was much more fo- kind of felt like the science was the side and the parenting topics yeah. was the, the heart of my blog and it's turned out to be more the the reverse of that. Um but it was like this great opportunity to speak to the audience that I was trying to reach. Yeah.
0: And Yeah and I think you really liked the stuff that I wrote. Yeah, I did. And I uh, we had kids that were the same age, but yours were girls and mine were boys and um Uh, I definitely know for sure that we were talking about a guest post series that you did in our blog, One Day on the Phone. and It ended
1: up being like an hour and a half
0: long conversation. We we had multiple conversations in one week and one was like almost three hours long. And I said to Matt, you know... Like, we're kind of yin and yang about this stuff. Like, what if we did a podcast? Because I had wanted to do a podcast for a long time. Matt's obsessed with podcasts. And I was like, hey, I don't know anything about anything. Like, I just have always been really upfront about this is kind of a personal blog that we happen to be paleo. (laughs) And so, like, it morphed into something versus kind of what you were saying your intention is more science and stuff like that. And so, I was like, hey, this person actually has some knowledge and credentials about what she's talking about. It could be a good pairing for a podcast. And Matt got, Matt was the most enthusiastic of any of us about doing a podcast because he wanted to be a podcast producer and he was super jazzed about the idea, but I was still nervous to ask you because, you know, we like barely knew each other and had never met and it's kind we of did. A we did have a very good. It was huge, and I mean, we did
1: have a very good. We were those kinds of people who would we would start talking. We'd have a phone call to discuss something that should have taken ten minutes, and then the phone call would take hours. And so we were clearly bonding. But I remember when you called me to ask me if I would be interested, and you were very like, "You don't have to answer right now." And I was like, "I had never even occurred to me." To host a podcast like that wasn't even a, even on my to do list of things that would be cool. Um, and, I, and I it was one of those things that I'm pretty sure I answered right away. But then as I thought about it, I got more and more excited and I felt like the format of the show was something that I think we we agreed on pretty quickly about like how we would combine our various areas of expertise slash humor and snide remarks and soapboxes um, to put together something cohesive and what we would do that would be different from some of the other podcasts that were out at the time, like having thematic shows, which I've already sort of alluded to, but the fact that we um, really do try to group questions together and a, a science segment together to, to follow a particular topic. And um, that's kind of a, Fun way to do it and a little bit differently than a lot of the other paleo podcasts that are out there that tend to, to, you know, kind of have, I I think more of like a queue of questions. That's just in chronological order from when they come in. Um, And, uh, and yeah. And then we, I mean, Matt figured out all the logistics. And then we just did it, which is kind of a thing. And we were not very good when we started
0: (laughs) some Um, might argue that we're still not very good
1: (laughs) i you know i'm sure there are people who feel that way and that's okay because they're entitled to their opinion um i feel like i am much better at stringing together cohesive sentences than i used to be so i feel very
0: proud of that skill that's continuing to develop You also do a much better job of not geeking out and getting embarrassed when we have guests on the show. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. The first time we had Mark Sisson on, I, like, girl fanned, and it was, I was doing that, like, nervous giggle thing that is really embarrassing, but I couldn't not. And I'm just telling people that even though Mark had some really amazing things to say on that episode, that you should not go listen to it.
0: <laughs> no, everybody's <laughs> just going to run to listen to it. Okay. Um
1: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, part of that too was I hadn't we were having these guests on the show and it was before I'd had the opportunity to meet any of them in person. Um you know, it was before I'd ever been to a conference. It was before you know, before I'd written books. Like, you know, I I was very acutely aware that people were on the show because they knew you and not because they had no idea who who I was. And, um, it was sort of a strange, it set up for some very strange dynamics in some of our early, um, early guest appearance shows, um, which, you know, I, I, I am pleased to say has, has not repeated itself in recent years, um, because there was definitely more than one show and I'm not, I'm not at all saying what show where I felt very, um, uh, intimidated when I shouldn't have felt intimidated. You know what I mean? Um yeah. and not and not because not because I was girl fanning, but because um I was the person really legitimately didn't know who I was and so was treating me like a nobody. And uh that is kind of a strange a strange place to be when you've, you know, worked for years to get a PhD and won awards for research. And you know, like hey I'm a person with thoughts. I'm kind of smart. Yeah, so it was an interesting thing. But it's it's as I've established my name within the community. Clearly, that hasn't that hasn't been a recurring event. Or at least when it happens now, it's 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 like strange. Like what? You don't know who I am? It still does happen. I don't mean like. I mean like. Never mind. I'm just gonna not talk anymore. I'm not talking. I'm not it. Let's answer the next question, shall we? (laughs) Okay. How did you all meet and how did you all find your paleo crew? I'm desperate for my own crew and would love tips on how you created that community.
0: So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I'm a bit of a social butterfly and I really enjoy hanging out. What? What? (laughs) I really enjoy hanging out with people and hosting parties. And um, my whole entry into paleo, I give thanks and credit to Liz Wolf from um, Real Food Liz. Real Food Liz. Sorry, I was remembering her old name. (laughs) Um, She and I went to a film in the local area together because it was kind of um, the only local place to see a real food film. If I'm remembering correctly, it might have been. Food Inc., but it was a film like that that had um, uh, Joel Salatin in it. And so she and I just like met up and she was so like down to earth and friendly. And I felt like a creepy stalker inviting her to our house because I thought the world of her. She was a blogger and I was not and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, I remember the feeling of her being like, absolutely, I'll come over and eat dinner with you and let's hang out and let's be friends. And so I totally took that to heart and have approached a lot of different people in the community the same way like regardless of how big or small their blog is or even if they have a blog I mean I have a meetup group um, within the area of I think like over 750 people now and we used to host potlucks at our home until the group just got too big for that now we do you know all kinds of local events and stuff like that and so I just think of my crew as being an extension of like anyone and anyone in a village. Like it was the same thing when I was raising my kids and I was doing hippy dippy things like breastfeeding and cloth diapering. I had a village of people around me that did those things to make me feel more normal and who I could vent to and that kind of stuff. And paleo bloggers, you know, we get we got some stuff like people asking us for the recipe every time we post something and we get why you guys want the recipe, but we got to have someone to vent to, to be like, you guys, I tried to eat this food and people are asking me for the recipe again. Um, And so it's just a lot about. It's, it's wait, 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 just, it's more that uh, look what
1: I made recipe on the blog.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or recipe coming. (laughs) Recipe
1: coming soon. Recipe development, but there's or, like I some, got this
0: at a restaurant.
1: <laughs> some kind of explanation about either where the recipe is or that it's on its way, and then the comment recipe question mark.
0: Usually more than one question mark. <laughs> anyway, we we really adore everyone. We do. But sometimes it takes that like deep breath of patience, especially when people are new to paleo and asking kind of basic questions that you've, you know, had podcasts and blog posts and that kind of stuff about, right? And we're a community of people. We also bounce ideas off of one another about how to be successful. Like for me, meeting predominantly paleo Jennifer, who happens to be a local blogger, was like it blew my mind that she had come up with a yukado recipe, which is something that like I didn't know about. It's just crazy cool that what she does with Yuka. And so it's more like, hey, you're cool. I want to be your friend. Let's hang out. And that just extends and into, you know, an online friendship. And then we end up getting together at things like Paleo Effects. And that's the one time a year for a lot of us that we actually physically see friends that we interact with a lot online and that kind of stuff. So I don't know if you meant like, personal crew, local crew, online crew, why paleo bloggers are friends with each other. But like hopefully I've covered all those bases. I assumed crew meant like friends and group rather than like team members. Yeah. Well I think I think because this person says that they want tips to help them create their own community like that meetup group when it started it was like me matt and one other friend who isn't even paleo that showed up just to be kind to us and we just kept having those monthly meetings and eventually it grew and grew and now dc is one of the top paleo areas um i don't know if you know this sarah but like the costco paleo book sales are on the top 10 list of areas that sell paleo books so um i i just think that you know when you feel like there aren't anybody, there isn't anybody and you're not sure where to turn to. Like for me, it was a lot about meeting people online and then hosting those meetups and saying like, Hey, let's have dinner together at a local paleo, you know, friendly restaurant or whatever. And just like, it really does grow out of one or two people because then that person knows someone. Um, I have really good friends who, you know, I met at a paleo potluck who are complete strangers and, the husband made a joke about me not making my own almond flour and it was like after that I was just so endeared to them that like they could just laugh about that kind of stuff. So they you know anyway. I'm rambling too long.
1: So um I think I found my paleo crew from becoming friends with you.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> my, my social butter- butterfly like has totally reached I'm, I'm thrilled. Like it's, if this is the you legacy know, I would, that I, I leave, I'm that, happy to
1: leave it. Like there's, there's certainly a group of paleo bloggers that I feel really close to and a good half of them, I was introduced to them through you.
0: And the other half are, are your AIP?
1: And the other half are my AI peers. And, um, we just kind of all eventually found each other, um, through, I mean, really it was like around the time that the paleo approach was being published. um, at or you know coming up to that time where I'd start to have it was back in the days when my um, you know Facebook page was small enough that I actually had messages on and was going through Facebook messages in addition to emails and replying to people and that was sort of a way to to connect with people and then it grew to the point where it was so crazy I, I couldn't answer those messages and I need to funnel all of the questions into one place which was you know just send me an email so I can actually you know, organize it and prioritize it and triage it. Um, and so there was a lot of connection with people from sort of back those early days. And a lot of, you know, I have a collection of sort of fan turned friends type people who were, you know, following my blog first and asking questions and I'd sort of get to know their names because there would be something about the way they ask questions that would stand out. um, whether it was something about their story or their sense of humor or whatever it was, um, and so there's I have a collection of people who you know found me at the very very beginning of my blog who, over four and a half years, I've become friends with. Um, but I would say that for me, um, making uh, acquaintances is very easy. Making really meaningful friendships is very hard for me. Um, so, I have, I tend to have in my life a lot of people I'm friendly with and not a lot of friends, if that makes any sense. Um, so, for me, I've had to really put a lot of effort into cultivating some friendships and really making sure that I am, you know, reaching out and making sure that I'm connecting and making sure that I'm making the time for that. It's been, that's been one of those things that, you know, for me, it's easy to put other things higher up on my to do list. Um, then, uh, cultivating friendships and that's something that I've, I've had to work on in order to actually have a, a community and, um, and it's taken, it's, it's taken a long time for me to, to get to that point. So, um, so part of it is, you know, when I do sort of feel that connection with somebody I just met, like following up on it and reaching out and inviting somebody to do something else or writing an email, um, and, uh, I, and I think even still, I feel like my, my community is still s- slowly growing um, in a very positive way.
0: It's the key here. I, I think Mark Sisson, yeah, Mark Sisson covered this in The Primal Connection, but that friendships and community are really important for a lot of different reasons. And for me, you know, a lot of the things people that I've had have helped enable me to be my best person and to be successful and to be happy. And so thank you to all of those people who might be listening and also just keep going. And sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. Some of my best closest friends are people that I, you know, kind of had to step out of my comfort zone and be like, do you want to go on a play date? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but when you do it, like, no, nobody is, is nearly as rude or, or hurtful as you kind of imagine it going in your head. And almost always really great things come of it. So good, good luck to you, Samantha, in creating your community. Uh, so this question, I like this one. If you ladies weren't
1: doing what you were doing, what would it be? Are either of you secret weather girl wannabes or a backup dancer for JLo?
0: So legit, I decided when I was a kid that it would be really cool to be a, uh, like, food reviewer, like one of those people that's a professional food critic, food critic, because I could just get paid to eat. (laughs) And I feel like my life has kind of turned into that. So um, (laughs) except that you end up cooking the food first. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because you're more reviewing. But I do.
0: I do like seek out and enjoy a lot of restaurants in a in a more kind of refined sort of way than I ever imagined myself being able to do as a result of kind of like seeking out farm to table and seeking out quality ingredients and that kind of stuff so for sure I mean how could you not just want to be a food critic um For those – since we're answering all these rando questions about ourselves, I have an English degree with a concentration in cultural criticism, and that means that I literally got my degree writing reviews on things like pop culture, movies, and – different kinds of things like that and so it's literally what like my dreams were made of was to be a restaurant critic or to be a movie critic or something like that and blocking is kind of, kind of the closest thing to that so I um I'm really shaking my head a lot
1: right now oh I, why yeah. well I think it's because um because I worked so hard in all of my writing to be not critical <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the and, yin to the yang, Sarah. Right, there we go, there we go. I am such a like
1: naturally non-confrontational person. I really, you know, I am assertive when I need to be um, and I'm very confident in, you know, my abilities. But at the same time, like I don't like getting into an argument. I don't like having to, um, like I've got a collection of, of articles on my website that are sort of um, rebuttal type um but they're type so articles nice. And I, I always feel – I mean I try to write them incredibly respectfully and I always feel a little bit resentful that I, I feel put in a situation where I feel like I need to correct some misinformation that's out there or provide a, a counterpoint argument. Like I'm always like, can't we just – I just like the world would be so much better if everyone agreed with me.
0: I don't (laughs) (laughs) see that. I agree with you on (laughs) Um, the other thing that I would be really good at before you get into what you would do is like, I want to be someone who helps like other people negotiate deals. Like I, that's what I do as part of my day job, which was another question Um, is I, I, you know, do, do stuff and I negotiate paperwork. And I'm really good at like buying cars and getting crazy good deals at cars and stuff. And so if I like won the lottery and I could just like go onto Craigslist and help people and not have to worry about like getting paid for my work, I think it'd be really a lot of fun to just like negotiate on other people's behalf, which is again, the exact opposite of what you just said. Like I really enjoy being assertive and confrontational and like getting things done and always being right. Those are really important things to me.
1: (laughs) Half of those are really important to me. It's just a different, so non-confrontational way. (laughs) Um, So I would be uh, running my own research lab. I mean, that was my first passion. I wanted to be a medical researcher from the time I was seven Um, that's what I did my education to be. I worked, I did, uh, four years of postdoctoral research in a lab. I even, you know, had my own grant funded as a postdoc, which is practically unheard of. Um, I had incredibly high level papers, some of which continue to be very heavily cited today. Um, I did some really cutting edge research and I was just too sick to continue on that um, you know, high-flying academic path with a colicky baby who never slept. And it was the decision to stay home with my, you know, first daughter that actually gave me the space to look after my own health and find paleo and start this whole journey. But I loved academia, I loved academic research, and I was really effing good at it. And so um, that's that's what I would be doing. So if I, you know, if I hadn't, found, um, this sort of, uh, what I feel is very important, uh, which is sort of science translation. So bringing, bringing scientific research to the, to the public in a a way that's approachable, but also distills what's actionable. And it's a job that I, I think there's a, a very, very high demand for, and not for many people who actually have the skills to do it. So I feel like, you know, getting to this place is really what I was meant to do. But if I wasn't, um, I would have gone back. There's a, a research lab here in Atlanta that, um, I find what they were doing very intriguing and it would be a really neat sort of natural step from what I was doing in my second postdoctoral research fellowship at the university of Arizona. Um, and so I, that's, I would have re-entered academia and, um, probably be a tenure track professor at this point. Um, and I, you know, I still would have taken that space, solved my own health issues, and then hopefully been able to go back and done a little bit better at um, preserving my own health while, um, working the type of hours with the type of stress that, um, early career academics have. Um, but that, you know, that was, that was not just a passion for me, but a talent and, um, Still, it's still a fallback option. It's still
0: my backup plan. That's that's the truth. My backup plan is a bed and breakfast. It's not just a backup plan. It's the plan. It's the it's a goal, and I still encourage you all to put it on your calendar that the year Wesley graduates, that you can come stay at Matt and I's bed and breakfast, and we will is cook Ma- for you Matt- and lift weights for you. Cook? Of course. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just talk. gonna sit around and be a social butterfly and talk to everybody. That's
1: what I kind of thought.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'll help him carry the dishes from the table to the kitchen. I'm good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next question. Where is your favorite place
1: you've ever vacationed?
0: So I was thinking about this and I don't know that I have a good answer. Yeah, it's a hard one because I've... Like, that includes vacations
1: as children, vacations as young single people, vacations as families, and, like, the type of place that's enjoyable is sort of different at different phases yeah, definitely. of our lives. So, I mean, I can think of the places where I had the most fun, but, like, it's not necessarily what I where I would
0: go back now. Does that yeah. make sense? So, my favorite regular vacation place in Virginia is called Smith Mountain Lake, and we go there every year, and it's, like really special has all those childhood memories and um, like I could see myself having a summer home there when we're older kind of place Um, in terms of like random regular vacation um, Matt and I really enjoyed going to Universal um, in Florida we're going back in February without the kids because Hogwarts okay period Hogwarts nothing else needed Also, we went on the low-carb cruise a few years ago and did kind of a a Caribbean tour and swam with the Stingrays, and that stands out to me as being really special. But I haven't really done a lot of traveling and and all that kind of stuff other than book tours, and even then, it's like literally 24 hours in one city. So that's all I got.
1: So when I was growing up, um, my family, we were very poor. I think we've talked about this on the show before, and so that – What we did for vacations was like car camping trips, like pack up the car and drive somewhere to go camping. And some of those places that we got to go to, you know, the last one I went with my baby brother, my mom, um, camping together, like right before I moved away for grad school. So I was 20, what, 22. Um, But some of those actually, no, we did we 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 did a camping trip after I graduated from my Ph.D., um, with my poor husband who was not a camper. Um so those are some of the trips that really stand out in my mind as being there's something really liberating about being in the nature and you know, only having a very thin sheet of cloth between you and all of it at night. Um so some of the highlight, like some of my favorite places were um Wiccaninish Beach on the west coast of Vancouver Island. It's just south of Long Beach. Um Wells Gray Provincial Park in northern BC, which has the third highest waterfall in the world in it, um, which was just absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing to see. Um, the Pinery Provincial Park in um, southern Ontario, um, just a you know beautiful park on. Um, one of the Great Lakes and just all all things water. Water where <laughs> water meets forest is where I'm happiest, I guess is what I'm saying. Um and then um I, I think yeah, water meets forest is always where I'm happiest. Um and then with kids, I mean we just went to Disney for our the very first time in September and it really was magical and it really was I mean I think um the best vacation that we've ever had just the four of us as a family with the kids usually when we go traveling we go to visit friends or family so we don't do a trip just for us to go do something very often um and then my um husband did his PhD at Cambridge University in England. So there was a few times that I went to visit him and we did a little extra traveling. And one of my favorite places that I ever got to visit in Europe was Florence, Italy. Um, there's just so many beautiful things. The architecture was beautiful. The people are just so friendly. It was just, that's a place I would love to go back. And maybe, maybe my kids are a little bit older and have better (laughs) art gallery museum stamina. So see I can't just pick one place like it's it's so different depending on like the we're terrible times of my life. at rapid fire this is something that we okay we're learning. we are going to speed this up is what that's what's about to happen <laughs> what, is your, what is your favorite kitchen gadget or toy that you currently have and what is on your wish list for new kitchen toys
0: My favorite kitchen gadget toy is my ISI whipped cream canister and if you follow me in media you know that's true Um wish list i would love a like coffee espresso machine where i could steam my own <clears throat> non-milk milk and add I don't my have co- one no i don't have like a steamer thing we just have like a french press so i want to like steam milk and then mix it with collagen to make my own lattes
1: yeah i have one of those i feel like i, I should all of a sudden make that my favorite you know what <laughs> do you know what kitchen gadget I really use the most? Is my electric kettle. I'm so Canadian slash British descent. For sure. You are. Um, because when
0: I was at your house it was like boring tea and coffee. You didn't make me you no know, fancy lattes. Well, I could have. Yeah, but you did make me fantastic waffles. And for that I am still really grateful and remember how they tasted.
1: Waffle iron also one of my favorite kitchen I have so many kitchen yeah, gadgets. Yeah, okay,
0: it's rapid fire. Oh, You're done. Okay
1: on my wish list on my wish list so i just heard that these things even exist and i'm curious it's it called an air fryer so you put your food in it and like a little bit of oil and then you you press a button and it like fries it but it's sort of a, i'm not anti fat but i like the idea of like a low fat fryer for like things like kale chips which apparently are like really amazing and take like 4 minutes that's that's the part that was like 4 minutes for kale chips I need to see this thing. And it's some fat still. It's not zero fat. If it was zero fat, I would have zero interest.
0: Ha. So it's like light. I'm using air quotes, which you can't see. I want to hear. I want to find out about this air popper thing. I'm going to look into it because I cannot make a batch of kale chips. Like literally by the time I pull them out of the oven, they're gone because they're like not very filling and people just like come into the kitchen and eat them before they're even off the tray. And it's like, Oh, why am I making these? Because they just disappear so quickly.
1: So making them in four minutes, you'd spend more time tearing up the kale than when you would spend cooking it. So anyways, this was like totally one of those things that somebody mentioned on like a Facebook post. I was like, wait a minute, that's a thing. And then I looked it up and was like, note to self. That's what I want.
0: Shizzle dizzle. Okay. Next question. What
1: is your biggest pet peeve that comes with being, and this is in quotes, paleocelebs?
0: So I know everyone's going to anticipate me saying hugging. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But with further consideration, I believe that the most difficult thing for me is that I often don't remember people who I've met previously, Mm. or I don't know someone who like follows me on media because their social icon doesn't match exactly to their face in a way that I identify. And I feel really badly about that because before I like knew so many people and was introduced to so many people, I was one of those brains that could always remember people who I had met before. And so it's really frustrating for me. And I also just feel terribly when someone's like yeah no we've met before i'm like oh my gosh i'm a terrible human being so i just pretend i have met everybody before yeah you're i mean you're better at playing that game than me i guess (laughs) that's because i can can tell when other people play it with me too (laughs) yeah i mean pretending you know who i am and you really don't some sometimes i give them that smile that's like yeah i'm trying so hard
1: (laughs) (laughs) name tags at conferences are so great yeah Um, so my biggest pet peeve is the, um, how many different demands on my time there are. And, um, you know, I always feel like time is my most precious commodity and I don't have enough of it. And I think, um, it's, it's not just how many demands it's certain people or company reps who feel like they are entitled to my time. So I get not just a like, you know, thing that requires time, but a demand like like actual somebody demanding my time um and uh I don't have it um and then I feel like I'm being a complete jerk when I say no i can't I can't just spend all that time doing that thing for you. that's no, I'm not doing that um but the the number of It really comes from many, many different places, the number of people who feel entitled to my attention when I don't have that that time to provide. Um, And I do, you know, it's funny because I often get asked, like, what, so what do you do all day? Like, what's the work there? Like, it's not, I guess, really obvious to people how much happens behind the scenes and just how time consuming so many of those tasks are. Um, and that you know the fact that you know I typically work a sixty-hour week, and I have you know six employees, um, seven independent contractors that all work for me, um, and so like it there's hundreds of hours a week that goes into you know running the website and the social media and keeping on top of emails and you know all of the various projects that I'm a part of. And so when there's like one extra thing that wants my time, I'm like, I just can't. Like I just, I just can't. And so that's anything that's sort of robbing me of time is always my biggest pet peeve. Like whether it's professional or like today I made cookie dough and then the dough separated and I couldn't explain why, but I knew it wasn't going to work out and I had to throw out all the dough and I'm gonna have to make some more tomorrow. It was a very sad story. Are you shedding a tear for me right now? about the cookie dough that had to go in the garbage.
0: Were you testing or what? I mean, I so I was using
1: one of my old recipes, but I did a swap. And yeah. now I know the swap won't work. And I should have just gone to the store for the one missing ingredient instead of doing a swap, but the I got a the oil separation out of the dough. And so I'm like, now it's going to be a crumbly cookie and that's not that's not the goal. So, uh, it's not
0: going to work. Okay, so, so, it was a sad it was sad. While there should be tears. While we're on a side tangent, mm-hmm. um I am really hopeful that when this podcast airs, there will be an AIP version of monkey bread on the blog, with the exception <gasps> of sugars. We are pretty confident that we are gonna have a nut free, egg free, grain free monkey bread ready
1: if it's not ready if it's not ready can you just send it to me anyway
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so we no eggs No um (laughs) yeah so we're we're cross your fingers that we're We're, doing
1: my my legs are crossed my toes are crossed i'm
0: really really twisted right now so we're, we're, we're pretty sure, but we're doing like the final tests and stuff tomorrow. And if it works, then I'll take photos and put it up on the blog in time for everybody to enjoy our family holiday tradition of monkey bread made on Christmas Eve and eaten Christmas morning. Because even if you don't celebrate Christmas, you should celebrate a holiday with this <laughs> recipe.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay. I'm like super, I'm You're so super stoked. super jazzed and excited about this. Egg, the egg freeness is just because I've discovered this year that eggs just really, really don't work for me. Every time I eat them, I get horrific acne. And so I just like, I really can't do a recipe with eggs.
0: Yeah. And- especially that recipe has a lot of egg whites. And ah. so that is the most problematic part of eggs as well. So anyway, I'm not going to, let's not, we've got questions. Okay. All right. I, I just got really excited. That happens sometimes. Uh, Favorite spot for a date night out and why? My favorite spot is the Alamo, which is a movie theater in this area that you sit in a seat and waiters come to you and bring you delicious things while you're watching the theater, including alcohol, gluten-free pizza, like, just whatever you could possibly imagine. Fantasticness comes to you while you watch movies. So... And My. and the best part of it is that they play, like, old movies, so Matt and I can go see, like, old romantic comedies that we both really love, that we've seen before, and hold hands, and, like, eat, you know, whatever, and... <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: Gone paleo, but gluten-free. Totally. Yes.
0: I can't go there right now. <laughs>
1: Um my favorite place for a date night out is the local theater that my whole family goes to to take classes. Um they have um improv um performances there once a month and that is my favorite thing to hire a babysitter and go out and watch an improv show because so this is not something I've ever shared on this podcast, but um, I've been taking improv classes. My husband's been taking improv classes for a long time, and my kids actually take drama classes. I've been taking drama classes for nearly three years at this theater, and it's when we go to see the improv show. It's our teachers who are in the troupe who do the show, and I have like a little bit of a creepy stalker level crush on them, and so it's really fun to get to see them perform and not just teach and then be the last people to leave which we always are because I'm forming connections
0: I just want to point out that you seem to have a problem with creepy stalker crushes this seems to be. I, have, I
1: have established this um yes no I mean these are the only people I have currently all the other people I've gotten over it Okay I, I just Giving you a hard time. I have never showed up on somebody's doorstep uninvited. (laughs) All right. It's fun because we laugh a lot and it's more, I mean, I feel like I'm spending time with my husband in a way that I wouldn't feel in a movie. Although a movie where they serve me good food, that might be a thing. Yeah, it totally, I'm telling you. Okay, here's one. Here's a question that I find wholly depressing.
0: I don't
1: know. What would you go back and tell yourself ten years ago if you could, knowing what you know now about your life, your health, your success, etc. Don't eat that stuff. <laughs> don't eat that!
0: Smack it out of my own hand. Um, I mean, I would also tell myself to stop dieting. Like, I think that was just as detrimental. Um, being a vegetarian, doing like Weight Watcher yo-yo diets where I didn't eat nutrients for a long amount of, t- like long periods of time um, in an effort to like count points. And I was too busy eating ho-hos to like eat nutrients with those points. So all that whole kind of thing, it was just, I would just have told myself to like quit all of that. It's not good.
1: Yeah. So ten ten 10 years ago, I was not. I was just, uh, we're just starting to try to get pregnant with our first daughter 10 years ago. And I was losing weight to increase my fertility. And I was doing it with a low carb diet. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, really, I want to go back like 20 years, not just 10. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think the thing that I would tell myself is that everything that I know about science is applicable to my health and that it doesn't take a lot of digging to find those answers. You know, when I finally got there, all the science was there. And, um, I think I just, I would have given my nudge myself a nudge to, to find this path six years earlier. and told myself to give up gluten.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't eat that. Don't eat that. No. Coke and pretzels is not a food choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not a food. Period. All right. Whoa, this one's this one's interesting. What's a paleo trend which at first you loved but now are totally over?
0: Um. Okay. I'm gonna create create some waves with this one. Um. But the paleo trend of recreating foods when they're still pretty much void of nutrients is a problem for me. Um, I think a lot of us in the beginning, and I totally put myself in that mix, um, especially when paleo first started. And, you know, for me with the kids, I created those kinds of recipes um, as transition sometimes foods, but, I think now because bloggers know that that's what people are interested in, they cater to those kinds of recipes rather than really focusing on nutrients. And sometimes I look at these recipes and it's like starch, starch, sweetener, sweetener, starch. And I wonder how that benefits anyone at all. Um, that's not to say that there's not a time and place for treats, but I personally am really affected by that snowball of sugar that we've talked about before. I get just as pulled in by anybody else when I see pretty things in my Instagram feed, and I think that it has done a disservice to a community of people who are really sick that that is sometimes portrayed as healthy. Like sometimes I'll even read posts and it's like, this healthy, nutrient-dense dessert. And I'm like, no, (laughs) that's really confusing for people. So um, I'm sorry if I did that to anybody, but we have not made like a real dessert post except for like, one candy cane cookie last uh two years ago like we try to just make one or two a year that are like true desserts and everything else that we do not guest posts on our blog because that's up to other people what they guest post but for us we try to make everything with fruit um as the sweetener because that's how we try to live our lives um otherwise it's just not healthy it's inflammatory um And that's something that Sarah and I try to talk about because for a lot of our listeners who really are sick, that can be detrimental to your healing. Just got really deep there. Sorry, people. That wasn't a rapid fire for me. Um, No, it was the beginning of a
1: soapbox, but that's okay. Um, I think this question is kind of meant to go that way. So for me, it is the uh, we can eat as much fat as we want. Bulletproof coffee, you know, coconut oil out of the jar, um, you know, fat on everything. And it comes from the sort of, you know, I came to paleo with a low-carb bias. So, like, let's let's be totally upfront there. I lost 100 pounds on a low-carb diet. So when I started paleo, it was low-carb paleo. And I really kind of merged the two. And um, part of low-carb is, you know, you replace carbs with fat. And Um, What I've, you know, I've been reading the scientific literature on, um, you know, carbohydrates, fats, ketogenic diets, you know, like low carb versus very low carb diets, um, what happens to the gut microbiome with high fat intake. And, um, you know, the more I read and the more I delve into the science, I feel like the less supported a really high fat intake is, Um, you know, it's pretty common to see people eating as much as 60% fat. And meanwhile, probably 40% should be about um, the top of our range. It should be maybe 45%, but you know, like 25 to 45% fat is a really good place to be. And it provides us with plenty of those wonderful essential fats that we need to be healthy, that we need for vascular health and hormone health and brain health. Like it's not that I'm saying low fat diet, um, but that when we eat, too much fat, it really messes with our gut microbiomes. It really messes with our hormones. I mean, it's quite and it can be quite inflammatory. And I feel like there's this idea within Paleo that as long as we keep the carbs down, we can eat as much fat as we want. And that's not borne out in the scientific literature. And something that I see as being um, being an unhealthy variation of Paleo. And that got deep too. <laughs> okay. This one's going to be lighter. What is your most hated activity in strongman slash CrossFit?
0: Mm, um, sled for me. Like suicide sled drills. Um, when you're talking rubber on rubber and you're including cardio. That's no bueno for me. Weighted lunges. Mm. I would rather do burpees yeah i would I would kind of rather do burpees than like a lot of things, which is interesting, <laughs> considering how much burpees are hated, but
1: yeah I was not saying that I like doing burpees right they are really not my favorite um also weighted running, so when you're running, carrying some weight thing, I' carry enough weight running, thank you very much. I do not need to add more, and uh if I have to carry something when I run, I cry. Like, ugly cry. It's not,
0: it's not. (laughs) I get the feels when I cry ever, like whether or not there's weight involved. But again, probably because I'm carrying my person, which is kind of like a hundred pound backpack for somebody else. I'm already
1: carrying that giant medicine ball on my body, nicely, equally distributed. And I don't need that thing to carry around. I'm not going to just let me run. It will be fine. I promise you, I'll work hard. I do not need that thing. I refuse to do it now. It's like the only thing I'm like, and when it says weighted running, I'll do normal running. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and and no one's going to say anything, right? Right, 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 Amory, right, right. And Amory says, okay. Actually, I don't know if she says, okay, I shouldn't put words into her mouth. She might say, do it. Um, Are there things about each other that annoys us?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean... <laughs> that that's like a good thing for us to talk about but I mean <laughs> no. we're, we've been friends for a long time. You guys want us to keep podcasting right? right? It's probably not a good idea for me no. to be like oh and Sarah
1: and Stacey does this and isn't this thing let's um, can we can we uh, plead the fifth there and yeah. say the answer is yes and those things are better left secrets from each other and we don't need to go there um <laughs> So I should have not even put that question. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun to not answer one. Okay. So how did we meet and fall in love with our husbands?
0: So I actually have a series of blog posts on our 10 year anniversary from a few years ago. And one of them is about how Matt and I met. If you actually want to read that, but we met on match.com and then we physically met at the college that we both went to. And, um, Falling in love. Um, I realized that I was in love with Matthew when I went to a Thanksgiving dinner with his family. And there was belly laughter and joy and a room filled with too many people for the size that the house was. And nobody cared. And uh, it was kind of the big family that I'd always wanted because I have half sisters and brothers that I didn't like live with growing up. It was just me and my mom. And so, um, I had a moment where I could see myself being a part of that forever. And, um, I tell him all the time that I fell in love with this family before I fell in love with him.
1: <laughs> um, I met my husband, uh, in university. The first time we met, um, he was talking with Chad by the elevator, and I had a big crush on Chad. So I was going up to talk with Chad.
0: <laughs> I never heard this story before, but it still cracks me you up. you never things. heard this story before? It starts out so, that way. I, um,
1: Funnily enough, Chad is the first person who used the word paleo to me, like, by an email, like, 20 years later. Um, so It's that
0: crazy thing Chad's doing.
1: I know. It's I've it's heard that, that line 500 it's times. Chad. It is the same Chad. So... Chad, I don't know if you knew, but I had a big crush on you back when I was 18 years old. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I went and talked with Chad. I totally didn't notice my husband. My husband totally noticed me, um, but he was a year ahead of me. We both did our undergraduate degrees in physics at the University of Victoria in Canada. And so I was at the beginning of my second year, which I, I don't know, sophomore, whatever that means is in America— and he was, I guess, a junior, third year, whatever. And um, uh, Chad rekindled the Physics and Astronomy Student Society. And we had our first Physics and Astronomy Student Society meeting later that week. And um, the whole meeting was just really fun. It was a really small department. I mean, it was typically between five and 10 graduates per year. Um, so the entire you know, undergraduate would be maybe 50 students. And so, um, so it's a small department and so we we're really close. We were, t- you know, we were very close, tight, very tight knit department. And, um, so that whole meeting was just really, really funny, but there was this guy sitting behind me who just kept cracking the funniest jokes and he really made me laugh. And then I realized it was that random guy that had been talking to Chad that time. And, um, so then, uh, we basically, ran pretty randomly started email. I mean, it was like the year the email was invented. Um, it was like a really long time ago. It was 20 years ago. Um, we started emailing each other and then he started complaining about like, he didn't know how to cook and he lived in a basement suite by himself. So everything he ate was like canned soup that he could microwave. <laughs> so I said something like, Oh, you know, I really like to cook. I cook a lot. I should cook dinner for you sometime. And then bizarrely that turned into a date. Um, but really I, um, I fell in love with his sense of humor, which, you know, serves me right. Cause he's totally not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he tries. Oh, he tries, but I've heard
0: dad, it all. D- d- dad jokes is a real thing. I'll see if Monica can put a link in the show notes. Cause it will bring joy to your life to watch that, <laughs> that video of it's like, it's like survivors of dad jokes. It's the funniest Funniest thing. First time I met his parents,
1: his dad was cracking jokes. And every time he did, like both my husband and – my husband's mom would like roll their eyes and like cover their faces with their hands while they listen to their, their dad, tell the story or tell his jokes. And I thought it was hysterically funny because it was all new to me. I'd heard like, it was the first time hearing them all. And I just thought the the social dynamic was really funny. And like, meanwhile, 20 years later, I'm like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> no, my husband actually, he still makes me laugh. So that's actually, um, that's actually a really wonderful, wonderful thing. And he's super, super supportive, Um, I think he was, he was impressing everybody with how much he did behind the scenes, getting ready for the healing kitchen launch party on, on Saturday. So, um, it was pretty awesome, but yeah, it was, he was funny. That was, that was what, uh, what caught my attention and Chad, that was it. Chad. (laughs) All right. What kind of day job does Stacy do? Excuse me while I have a nap.
0: I have covered this before. I'm not willing to fully talk about it. It is super boring. I read documents, like technical 70-page documents all day long that involve negotiation with the federal government.
1: That's it? That's all you're going to divulge?
0: Divulge? That's it. you say, I could tell you, but then it'd have to kill you. I'm toying with the idea of creating a professional blog and talking about that in a professional space and if and when i do that then there will be more information about who i am and where i work for and why i'm so awesome at my job and why all that jazz but um for now it just it doesn't feel right that was still
1: a lot of information and it will make people happy okay how are your sex lives since going paleo? I wondered how you're gonna answer if you're gonna
0: read this question that
1: I I'm added. reading. I'm reading it. I so am it's not a family,
0: necessarily answering it. It's a family show, but I will say that Matt actually did a podcast. Uh, I mean, a blog post on this topic um, called "Your Non-Cooperative Spouse," and we'll put a link in the show notes um, about how that has changed in our lives and how it can be a really convincing argument for your non-cooperative spouse to want to join you on the paleo journey. I'm going to answer the question by saying good. I mean, you know, it can never be a bad thing when there's like 100, 200 pounds lost between people. Like it just physically makes you closer. Uh, hormone regulation is also a wonderful thing. Yep.
1: And energy in the evenings is a wonderful thing. And that is all I shall say. (laughs) All right. Last question. Typical day for both of us.
0: Typical day for me is I sleep in pretty late. I follow the sun. I do not set an alarm. It's a rule that I have for myself. And I have um, usually like an herbal coffee or some kind of decaf with collagen and grass-fed heavy cream as I'm leaving out the door. Um, I leave when the kids leave. We all spend kind of a little bit of time together in the house in the morning. And then um, I go to work. I'm at work all day. I have breakfast and lunch at work. And then I come home and we have a family dinner together. Um, And then we'll play games, read books, do homework, work out do those kinds of family things together before the kids go to bed.
1: So um, I typically get up at 630 um, with my husband and the kids. Um, I make the kids lunches and then I drive them to school and then go straight to CrossFit. Um, I usually work out for about an hour and a quarter. Um so I'm doing all personal training right now which has been really great because it's allowed me it's still within the CrossFit framework and I'm still doing CrossFit WODs um but it's uh sometimes by myself my husband comes with me twice a week and I work out four times a week um but it allows me to walk in and be like I need to do this today maybe it's I need to do some extra mobility for this you know this is sore or um I don't have a ton of energy can we tone something down or I'm feeling really great. I'd really like to try this new thing today. Like whatever it is, I get to really cater to how I feel every day, which is really amazing. And it's been really great for my sort of momentum, you know, this, this fall I've gotten really a lot stronger in the last nearly four months doing this. And, um, and you know, I'm hitting some really big goals and it, it feels really good. Um, so then I come home and, And I typically get to work right away Um, and I work pretty much straight other than like a break for a meal until my kids get off the bus um, at 2.30 and then I put my work away and I focus on them. We do homework, after school activities. I make dinner. We cuddle. We play games. We read books, whatever it is. Um, And then my kids go to bed pretty early in the evenings. Their lights are usually out by 7. So then... Um, After they're in bed, I usually work for a couple more hours. And then um, around nine, I try to pack it up and have an hour, you know, time with my husband and um, wind down time before going to bed about 10. It sounds so boring. Doesn't that sound like you just work and work out? We're moms. That's what what it is. So that was a long show. I think we should end it there. Um, Was there any question that you, like, were surprised nobody asked?
0: That you, like, really wanted somebody asked so you could answer it? No, I thought that there were some really great questions. Honestly, questions that we haven't – that I haven't seen in media or been asked before. There were quite a few questions um, that we didn't answer that we have covered before or that we have answered before. And so Monica's going to try to respond to people and, and get to them. But
1: or, or that, you
0: know, really kind of felt like they belonged to the Maddox totally. show and we'll get to them. Or they were detailed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought that – I thought people asked really great questions and I thought it was a fun show more than a check-in. But, um, you know, not quite so stressful for you they and see. also – What's your favorite color? Black. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, I'm a terrible human That's, being. What does that say about you? Um, so the kids and I, um, Matt's... Like- Favorite color is also black. Like the kids just, what? yeah. Once we decided that that was an allowable response, we were like, well, obviously, black. Like, <laughs> okay, so I mean, I love wearing black, but I would never say my favorite color is black. I'm not drawn to any colors like that. Like, people are like, oh, you know, I see this and I, no, I don't feel that way. Really? Are you?
1: Mm-hmm. Green, totally 100% green. Obviously, green. It's got to be green. Because green makes me feel happy, and I like looking at green, and like being around green. I do not wear green because green makes me look like I have end-stage liver failure, (laughs) but I love looking at the color green. And green – it just – I feel happy when I see green stuff. So green, not black. All right. I don't know if we can continue doing this podcast together is all I'm saying. This should really not
0: surprise anybody about (laughs) – Myself. I mean, I don't like hugs, people. Of course, my favorite color is black. <laughs> or very, very dark gray. Or very, very, very dark brown, which is the color of chocolate. <laughs> and gray. I like that, too. Um, yeah. So there you have it, folks. One of us is missing a piece of her soul. This is not new news. And the other one gets creepy stalker crushes all the time. <laughs> Um, cool. So I hope everyone is having a wonderful or did have a wonderful holiday and also we'll be back next week. But um, also a, a happy New Year's if you don't hear from us because you're busy living your life until then. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to keep your head on during the insanity of between Christmas and New Year's. I myself am going to need to be practicing you know, personal goal setting and focusing on my priorities in order to stay, you know, non-inflamed and healthy through the holiday break. And uh, I encourage you to find that strength in yourself, set your goals beforehand, and then tell yourself you can do it. And also forgive yourself if you don't. That is my holiday gift to you. A big heart. I just it made a, it was a heart like with my hands. It was like a hug. It just... was almost... That was almost like a virtual hug. That's, I can, t- I'll do those all day.
1: <laughs> virtual hugs. low kisses, not
0: hug. virtual hugs. I got you covered.
1: All right. Well, I um, am wishing you all the best of the holiday season um, and a wonderful, wonderful new year. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. It's
0: 175. Wow. That's like a round number and stuff. Yeah. That's why we're doing a special show. Yo. Really? I thought we were doing a special show because it was Christmas. Well, I mean, that's coincidental. It's like, it's like both things. If this is in the bloopers, and we didn't answer your question, it sounds like we're going to try to at a different time.
1: It probably won't be in the bloopers. It doesn't seem blooper worthy.
0: Things and stuff. Blooper. <laughs> there you go. I just want you to make a fart noise now. I don't know. I have one sleeves. It's not sufficient. The,
1: that did not sound anything, anything like a fart through the microphone. It sounded...
0: I don't even know what a fart sounds like anymore because I haven't had one in so long. Boom. Drop the mic. Um, yeah. So that just totally made me blush to say fart. What is wrong with me? You make fart jokes with your kids all the time. With kids, yes. I don't know. It's super awkward. It, It just, I recognize that it's weird. I get it. It is a little bit weird to do on a family rated
1: podcast, which is why.